Welcome to the Big Niang Theory. Let me ask you one question. This is my podcast. Joel is a card shark. Danny gets swindled. Fashion, I just like stuff that looks good. Greatness just breeds greatness, and we all fit right in. Welcome to another episode of the Big Niang Theory with George Niang featuring Lauren Rosen. Today we had a spectacular guest, uh, Tyrese Maxey. I think he has great insight you know a great soul and like we talked about on the podcast he is just the most positive human being ever and he kind of shared you know some great stories about his journey and where he's been and how it's affected him and his success going forward and I think this was this is one of the best episodes that we've done yet there's a lot of depth to Tyrese and I was really excited that he was willing to share that with us I think the fact that he's been in the league for a year and he went from fighting for minutes, and he I don't know if, if he would say this or if he feels this way, but the way that I saw it, during the playoffs, yes, he won this team a playoff game last season, but no one was sh- for sure, for sure, that he was even in the playoff rotation. Mm, yeah. And now, again, his first calendar year in the NBA, he's playing some of the heaviest minutes in the league. He yeah, is. No, he's, he's been great. It's he- been unbelievable to watch, and, and I think this conversation helped us figure out how he got from point A to point B so seamlessly. It was, it was a, it was a great episode and I'm glad that he got into depth and shared his, his journey with us. So if the people need a reason to listen, I'd say about two thirds of the way through, we get to your first meeting with Tyrese and that was really special to hear. I had no idea about that. It was lovely to listen to Tyrese Maxey, I believe has two lifelong fans. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tyrese Maxey is a legend. So without further ado, here's Tyrese Maxey. Welcome to another episode of the Big Niang Theory. Today, I'm excited for our guest, a great person, a great player, Tyrese Maxey. Thanks for coming on. (laughs) Thanks, George. I appreciate you having me, bro. Tyrese, what do you think of the name of the podcast? Uh, great name, great name, great guy. Tyree, see, we're gonna break the break you in um, a little bit about this podcast. You're gonna have to, you know, be yourself. Don't give us generic answers. We want the real Tyrese. People need to know about the real Tyrese. I don't. I don't think I've ever gave generic answers. Okay, fine. How about this? You can't give an answer that you've given before. No repeats. All right, got gotcha. you. Fair enough. So let's just hop right into it. Tyrese, what, what I really wanted to ask you about is you went to Kentucky. You're from, you know, uh, Texas, Dallas, Texas. Garland, Texas. Garland, Garland. I'm sorry. Which is a suburb of? Dallas, Texas. You and Lauren have that connection, Texas. Um, but you're not like the prototypical, you know, Kentucky guy. Like, you ha- you're confident in your game, but there's not an arrogance about you that, you know, surrounds everything that you do where everything has to be done Tyrese's way, like – being here, you know, I, I've come to see you be the humble but also confident guy that you are. Where where did you get that from? You know, obviously I know you have a super close relationship with your family, your uncle, your parents, but not everybody can handle all that fame, be one and done, be a first-round pick, and still be humble enough, you know, to continue to grow and be confident at the same time. Uh, Yeah, I mean, like you said, my family background is, is – probably the most important thing that you said there about being humble. Um, I, was, I was humbled a lot as a, as a youngster at, at the crib. 
Uh, my father was a he was a Division One basketball player. I mean, he was he was what that was technically in Dallas. Uh, he was he was pretty big. You know, everybody always told me that I would never be better than my dad. So it was like uh, you were like, you were like watch me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, so I, I had that chip on my shoulder. Yeah, and I think I've always had this chip on my shoulder that um, I feel like I've always been overlooked. Even though, like you said, one and done, McDonald's, all that, but on a national national stage. Like, I feel like I was always overlooked. Like, it was always someone that was, like, rankings don't mean anything now, but back in high school, they yeah. did something to us. So, it was always someone that was ranked above me that I felt like I would always, you know, play better than when I played against them. It was always, Tyree's not going to be able to do this when he gets to this level. Or when he's not going to be able to play at Kentucky. Or once he gets, oh, he, once he makes a lead, he's not going to be able to stay. Like, it, it was it's always something. And I always just I, I think I always keep this chip on my shoulder for the rest of my life, trying to prove somebody wrong. And um, hey, shoot, it's it, it's gotten you this far. I mean, so why why change anything? I I can respect that. Not to say that our journeys are anything uh, similar, but you know I feel like I have the same chip on my shoulder. You know what I mean? I I don't think there's ever been a day where we have a you know an off day that you aren't in the gym and that. I feel like I view life and the game of basketball the same way. Um, but adding on to that, what you know, what motivates you to be who you are—the fun-loving guy, having all this energy, and having a great attitude every day? Because Lord knows, if they followed your journey last year, it's not like you were starting, playing consistent minutes. You have every reason to be like, hey. You know, I was a first-round pick. Why aren't I playing? Or why aren't I doing this? Right. And you know, never did he do that. Ever, ever since I got here, I mean, you've had a ton of energy. And even last year, you would people are like, "Yeah, Tyrese Maxey has never had a bad day." What motivates you to be that person? And how do you view your life and your career that makes you just see everything in such a positive light? Um, I think. Well, first of all, in my opinion, if you go through life, you're gonna have bad days. So uh, my biggest thing is I never want I never want to bring anybody else down. Like if if I'm having a bad day or if, like you said, like it was games last year that I didn't play. Like I think I only played in, which is like new for you because I yeah. mean when you're a McDonald's All American one and done. Like right. when has there ever been a time where someone has told Tyrese Maxey, "Hey, like we just don't know if you're good enough to play tonight." Yeah, like you, like no, like you're not getting in. Yeah. yeah so like I mean. You know, and of course, it hurt me. It hurt me. I mean, but I never wanted it to be like where I brought my energy was the one that was bringing like the team energy down. So yeah. like, I was always well, at the end of the day, I still like to win. So I mean, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to help my team win. And at the time of those games, you know, that time was cheering on guys and uh, trying to help in that way. Then that's what I did. And um, I just I think you know the way I act is because. I get to play basketball for a living, and, and, and you know, I can do what I love every single day. And I can try to get better, better, better every day. And, hey, and do what you love. I do what I love. I get to, I get to have fun doing it. So. Tyrese, did you avoid saying that you are trying get to get 1% better every day? Because I told you you couldn't key. repeat anything. I was gonna, I, but, I, that, I, but that's – people like – like I was saying that saying, and I said it here, and someone was like Tyrese Maxey said that. But when someone tells you that, and, you, and like when they're like doing a motivational speaker, you're hearing, you're, you really are like, yeah. Like if I wake up every day and get one percent better, 
in 365 days, I'll be 365% better. No. And I'm like, dang, I'll be a lot better than what I was today. Like, I, that's a perfect way to look at, like, you're shooting at a target. I'm telling you, like, I remember the first time my dad said it to me. He was like, man, you just got to find a way to keep getting better, like, 1% better every day. And I'm sitting there as a kid, like, I think I was, like, eighth grade. I'm like, you're like 1%. 1%. Like, <laughs> what is that going to do for me? And then, like, down the road, as you get, you know, you get more knowledgeable and, you know, you go through life, you start thinking like, man, he's right. Like, like this summer, like I really had a, like really had a goal. Like I was going to get better every single day this summer. Every every single day, it didn't matter if I didn't step on the court. Like on a Saturday in LA, I found a way. Watch thirty minutes of film or do something to find a way to get myself better at basketball and then just at life in general. Yeah, I mean, I feel like for you, it's almost like you had the feel. Like we just talked about, you had the feeling of being humbled by being told like you weren't good enough to play or you're not going to play and you were like i'm never going to have that feeling again which brings me to my next question what was your moment that was like welcome to the nba like what moment was that where you were like dang like whether if it was someone like stealing the ball for you or you going and laying it up on someone like what was the moment you're like yeah uh, i'm here or dang i didn't know it was going to be this difficult i think um First game last year, I got in in, the, in like first quarter, like the very first game. I got in first quarter like two minutes ago, and of course this is my first time ever coming off. Well, not my first time ever coming off the bench. I came off the bench three games at Kentucky, but like you know, once you come like in, in college, you come off the bench, you kind of ease into the game. Yeah. That makes sense. Like so, I get in the game, <laughs> full go, and I'm no no no. I'm thinking like I can ease myself into the game. Oh, if Smith comes in the game same time as me. So the whole day of shoot around, Danny Green, Shaq, everybody's telling me, hey, man, it's Schmidt, man, he got a quick crossover. Just think about it. Like, left, we, to, left to right. Man, like left to right. Screen, left to right. Man, so I'm like, man, it's Schmidt not going to get, man. Man, I promise you, the very first play I got in, <laughs> very first play I got in, he's coming up extremely slow with his left hand. I'm like, I'm just sitting there, pew, layup. I said, oh, my goodness. They weren't lying. That, this, like, it, it happened so fast. And oh, it was like, man. well, now I'm in the NBA. Yeah. So I think that was, that was the moment. I remember that moment, too, because your eyes sort of did a like, – a, like I watched you realize what had just happened oh. because in my role, that's one of my favorite things to watch. It's big moments for you guys and, like, watching how you play your first possession, watching how you played your first possession when we played against Utah. Those are the moments that I'm looking at. Um, I appreciate that humble welcome to the NBA moment, but can you tell us about when you guys played Denver last year with seven players and Tyrese went on to score 39 points, nearly beat a very healthy Denver team with seven players? What was that day like for you? Um, that was kind of like your coming out party, right? Because, I mm -hmm. mean, you were playing, but it wasn't, they weren't like, dang, this kid can go. Like, anybody that can score 30 plus points in an NBA game, that's. Impressive, mind you. I, I've never done it, but I'm still people an really, player. really noticed. Yes, yeah, of course. Very impressive, George. Come on, hey, George. I mean, hey, you, you know, stop that. <laughs> and the question's about you, but no, but like that was your your coming out, you know, part. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a strange couple of days, though. Yeah. I mean, especially because of you know the pandemic and different things like that. So we had no idea who we were playing or not playing, or who was playing and who was not playing. I just remember walking into the to the I mean to the arena and Joel stopped me and then he's saying, um, can you get forty tonight? And I was <laughs> like and I'm thinking I might just think about it, in my head I played the most I've played in the game 
so far is maybe 18 minutes. Right. Probably shot the ball. Six at, times. Yeah, at the most, eight times. So, like, I'm like, can I get four? There's, it's almost impossible for me to get yeah. four. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I have to, he was like, like, I'm going to see if you can get 40 tonight. So then I'm like, okay. So then we go through, we get to the locker room, and I see who's in there, and we only had seven players. And I was like, oh. This it's, my, he, it's my time. This, this is what he meant, Bob. <laughs> so I mean, at that at that moment, I was just I was like, at the at the end of the day, it's a competition. So like, no matter who's on the floor, you still want to try to win. And I, that's really all I wanted to go out there and do is, is give us the best shot to win. And um, I just went out there and competed extremely hard. And you know, the rest is kind of history. Speak on that because I'm a big you know believer and you know when you have opportunity you can show everything that you worked on and I mean I feel like your your career has has kind of been that that type of way I mean you take advantage of every opportunity like last year you were lucky enough to not have COVID and be able to play in those games and that's been huge for your development but people wouldn't know that if you weren't given the opportunity so speak on you know, just being able to maximize those opportunities and not looking at those opportunities as too big of opportunities where you're like, oh, my God, I got to try and score 40. Because most people freak themselves out and don't allow themselves to show how great they are when these opportunities pass by. And I I hate to use this language, but kind of screw themselves out of showing their potential by looking at an opportunity or a moment like it's too big. Right. Um, I think just talking about the moment, uh, my biggest thing is, you know, if you can prepare when no one else is around, you'll shine when there's thousands in the crowd. I think uh, that's another one of the sayings that my pops told me when I was younger about just getting into the gym, yeah. being a work, you know, workhorse, and just doing different things like that. And um, like I, I never understood when I was like eight years old, he was. T- I just wanted to play basketball. You right. know? So I just wanted to go out there and play, have fun. And uh, he pulled me to the side and asked me who my favorite player was. And I told him it was Dwayne Wade. And he was like, well, to catch up to Dwayne Wade, to be as good as Dwayne Wade is, you got to work on your game. Like, you can't just go out here, you know, at practice and play and, and that be it. So I think just I lived in a moment like that. So I worked so hard that when it was, you know, when I got an opportunity, I, I was confident and I wasn't I wasn't scared, I wasn't nervous, I wasn't I just I just played basketball. Yeah, what's what's done in the dark will show in the light. Will show in the light, there it is. Have you met Dwayne Wade yet? Yes, I did. Uh, he uh it's crazy, like I, I he I never met him before. I did like a, this commitment video uh going to Kentucky and it was kinda of, I mean it it went it was cool on Twitter or whatever. Yeah, and, we know uh, how you high school kids get. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? You're all excited. And but you're twenty one now, you're past that. I, yeah. But so it, grown up. Yeah, you feel me? I'm a whole grown up. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he uh, he quote tweeted it, like wow. before I met him or anything. He quote like no, I guess I've never met him, never talked to him. He's my favorite player yeah. ever. He quote tweeted it. it was like, that's how you make an announcement, young man. And I was like, I was freaking out. Like, you, was, please tell me you were like sending it to all your buddies. Like yo what? yo, immediately you see this. <laughs> Immediately, straight oh, straight to the group chat, oh, my straight God. to my mom. Like, and then so a couple of weeks later, after I had committed, uh, his son Zaire plays EYBL as well. So he was at the EYBL session, and um, he was with his security. So he's walking out the building, and I had just got done playing. So I'm like, my my teammates like, hey bro, you gotta go up to him and say, you know, congrats, like thank you. So I'm like, 
all right, cool, you're right. So it, it looks crazy because he's walking out of the building with his security, going and, to his car. And you're car, chasing him down. I'm chasing him oh, down. Oh, my so now, God. And so everybody, like, they're stopping me, like, hey. And I was like, I just want to tell him, I just want to tell him thank you. And then he turns around and realizes that it was me. He's like, oh, man, yeah, yeah man, congratulations. Yeah. And then uh, it's crazy because, you know, now I see him in L.A. when I go work out because his son works out with Chris Johnson as well. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he, he's been great. He's, he's always cool and um, – no, he's just another mentor now. From what I've seen with your growth off the court has definitely been your fashion. You have a little swag. What, when did you get into fashion? What are some of your favorite pieces? What do you like to wear? I know you have expensive taste. So. You know what? We're not going to get into that expensive taste today. Yeah. I saw you had on some Travis Scott ones the other yeah. day, low top. Anyways, um, fashion, I mean... I don't think I'm the biggest fashion guy. I think I just like stuff that looks good, if that makes sense. Like, right. if I see something on Instagram or something like that, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to try that. I don't think I'll ever be one that gets a stylist or anything like that because I think me and my uncle kind of do it on our own. It's like a fun thing that we do, putting the, uh, outfits together for road trips and for games and stuff like that. So so for when the road trip comes, like, because that's the one thing that I have a problem with is I would – wait to pack to like the last minute so actually on road trips you're like all right i'm gonna have this fit this fit this fit you don't just go like i'm gonna bring these four pairs of jeans these five hoodies or shirt no i actually like so like the day before we had this trip yeah i was up to like three o'clock in the morning like deciding oh so this is time and effort into this like. i mean i was i mean i just i can't put like you say put three pair of jeans in and then put two pair because i i have my as shoes like I yeah that's true you don't I, want to bring seven pairs of shoes and it's, I you, don't want to you don't want to do that but that's what you do yes Tyrese how many pairs of shoes did you bring on this trip how many days are we here 13 how many games we have six games six games I probably have I have five pair of basketball shoes okay. and eight pair of normal shoes hey I, res- I respect it Look good, feel good, play, play good, good, and kid, whatever you doing, <laughs> continue to do that. <laughs> Will do. George, I'm going to ask you a question, and it's tough because this is an audio medium, but I want you to describe what you see and then tell us what you think about it. Okay. Do you know what I'm going to show him? Mm. Ooh. What I see right now is Tyrese in a <laughs> in an outfit that I would say looks like um, cow <laughs> skin, but... The fact that you could pull it off, then I, I, and you know what I can respect is that a lot of young fellas will wear socks with this outfit, like high socks, and and not care. But you have the low the low cuts. It's snowing out in the peacoat. That's class right there, my man. Feel so me, I, I can I can respect the the drip as the young ones would say. So for context, if you're listening to this, February nineteenth, twenty twenty on Tyrese's Instagram. Follow him if you're not already and check out that outfit because I told Tyrese during the preseason that in my three years, three years with the Sixers, this is my favorite outfit that I've ever seen on anyone. Really? And just the way he pulled up with the snow in the background, with the car, it all worked so perfectly. Tyrese, why don't you tell George the story that you told me about how you picked this outfit out, like how you came to end up wearing such an exuberant outfit? Well, first of all, shout out to Alex. For the picture, I mean, it wouldn't have been the outfit would have meant nothing, honestly, if he didn't. The details of the picture was wasn't as great. The, the the story is funny. I mean, they 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 send me send me the little set, and as soon as I open it, I'm like, 
There's not a chance I'm wearing this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I looked at it and I just, like, I threw it to the side. I was like, Ain't no way. Ain't no way. It's not a chance that this is going on my body. And then, like, I forgot what happened. I came back home and I was like, well, Let me just try it on. <laughs> then I tried it on. And then I was like, I saw I had the coat in my, in my closet. I'm like, I can't just wear the, you know what I'm saying? I can't just wear the suit because it's like, it's too much. Yeah. But then I was like, let me just throw this coat on and see what this, and see what this talking about. And I went in and showed my uncle. He was like. He was like, yeah, nephew. Yeah. yeah nephew. <laughs> he, was like, he was like, yeah, that's, that's a fit. And then so, it just happened to be snowing. I don't think I looked to see that it was right. snowing. I just got lucky in that, in that aspect, but. Yeah, that, that's that's the story of the fit. I feel like this this locker room we have here is everybody has nice things. Like that's kind of like the thing in the NBA, whether you're getting it for free or you're buying it or overpaying for it or a stylist has it. Nobody will ever know. But we have a locker room that if you come in wearing something nice, you will get a comment from Tyrese or Shake or from me. You're like, oh, I, I thought I smelled money. <laughs> it's it's just like a, a common thing. So there's some times where like if we have like a Monday night game, I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to wear sweats today because I don't want to hear Tyrese be like, dang, on a Monday? That much money on a Monday? I think about it every time. It's funny. Like you started doing it yes. like without even hearing me and Shake do it. But like last year, me and Shake would do it to each other like – Every game, no matter what was on, like it was just every time we see each other, we'll just be going doing our hands oh like that and God. saying, "Man, you got money." Then you come in and you said it like literally like the first day. We fit. We all fit. We all fit right in. Yeah, Guys, no, that's, that's beautiful. That's a fact. Something that I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, other players in the league are really taking notice that you've grown into this person. That's well, starting playing heavy minutes, but also super talented, and and I've enjoyed watching all-stars, future Hall of Famers sort of watch you. What's it been like to talk to them then, like at the end of the game? Who has stuck out to you as, as people that have come up to show a little bit of respect to you, and, and how does that feel as a young guy? Uh, I mean, it's great. It's great. and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a testimony to the league's brotherhood. And like, um, how do I explain this? It's, it's, people probably think that in a, we don't like each other and different things like that, but we're competitive. We're competitive at the end of the day, but we're still friends. We're still cordial with each other for the most part, um, and it, it's been great. I mean, playing in Utah, playing against Donovan Mitchell, and uh, and uh, I talked to him after the game, right after the game. He saw me again in the tunnel, stops me, and, and and gives me advice. Like, you know, I mean, he's an all star, you know. So for him to take his time out, take time out of his day, to you know, give me advice and and just tell me to keep going and keep doing what I'm doing and. You really have to just appreciate things like that. I think, and it's still, and then you got guys like Fred Van Vliet who helps me. Well, he still humbles me when he comes up to me. He walk, he literally walks up to me. You know, I think I was playing pretty well in the game. Walks up to me, and then looks at the ref and says, "This guy right here, you keep giving this guy calls." I'm like, "Dang!" I he didn't even call by my name. <laughs> so then I pull him to the side after I score. I'm like, "I'm like, dang, bro, you don't know my name." He's like, "Of course I know your name, man. I just had to, you know, come on, man." He's like. <laughs> Come on, man, we're competitors at the end of the day. He said, we're going to talk after the game now. I was like, all right, cool. It's a but, testament to who you are, though, too. Like, I know you talk about the, the brotherhood, and that's something that, George, you've talked about a lot as well, and, and I've seen. But I also think that you're a really kind and welcoming human. And so I think that older guys in the league are attracted 
to that type of spirit and want to help you along. So don't undersell yourself there. I, I, I wouldn't. That. I wouldn't say when I first talked to Tyrese in the uh, in the league, I I wanted to help him along. I remember I was we were in Utah <laughs> and he was playing, and I feel like I tell him this story all the time. Is uh, so he's shooting a floater in the middle of the game, and I'm like, oh, ain't no way that's going in. And I think he makes it, and he was like, yeah, you better ask somebody or something, <laughs> something along something along those lines. And I was like. What did he just say? Like, and my so in my mind, I'm thinking like, all right, like we're trying to get a win. Like this is a big game for us. And let me say something to this rookie and see like if he loses his head, like misses it, and then tries to keep on shooting it, keep on shooting it. And so he made like another one, and then turned and like looked at me as he ran up and down the court. And I remember there was a free throw, and I I I asked him, I was like, yo, so you got that floater in your game? And he's like, yeah, you best believe I got that floater in my game. And it was kind of like one of those moments where, like, I kind of got, like, trumped out because it was like I tried to play him by getting him to shoot a shot that I thought he couldn't make. And then he proved to me, like, three, four times, like, you know, I can make that. So then I was like, all right, let me just you shut up before, he, before yeah. he starts going off for, like, 40 against us. But, like, speaking on the brotherhood, I think greatness just breeds greatness. And, and you can continue to, to speak on this, like, I think we're all fans of the game. Like we all live, breathe, you know, speak basketball so that when we see great basketball or good people playing at a high level, we like to acknowledge that. I feel like that's, I'm sure you've seen that because I don't know if you know this, but mostly in people that have had successful rookie years struggle in their sophomore years. Like there's that hump that they have to get over it. And you've kind of just taken it all full stride. I mean, you may have struggled the first 41 games of your rookie year but you know I mean I think since then you've shown people like hey like I probably should have been drafted higher and I'm trying to be like I feel like that's the mentality that I see from you every day is I'm trying to prove to everybody that I should have been like the number one pick without like what we talked about earlier without being like that arrogant like pain in the ass type of guy no no, that's that's a hundred you're a hundred percent right with that like I tell my mom and my dad every day, like, I, I feel like I got overlooked in the, yeah. in the draft class. Like, it was people were talking about me as if, like, I felt like I was a nobody again. Yeah. So it, it, it made me feel some type of way. And I knew I had, I had a checklist. <laughs> I, I was, you did the Draymond. You're going to sit here and tell me five years from now, know. you're going to know everybody that was drafted before you? I, I can't tell you. I know every, like, I know them now, of course. But, really? like, it hasn't been, you'll be a year. So I still know them. But... Is certain guys on the list that? Every oh time yeah, we play. That's circled. It, I get, it has to. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, the job has to get done. It, I mean, it has to get done, and it, and that's not, and that's not, and I. Nothing personal. Yeah, just, it's not personal no disrespect. at all. Like yeah. I, I, some of those guys I love. I mean, but it it like it has to get yeah. done, and that's just. I mean, you know, that's the competitive nature in myself. I mean, it is what it is. Now, Lauren, we didn't even talk about. Like, your season ended at Kentucky because of COVID, and then you probably had the longest pre-draft out of any one ever. But the shortest ever. preseason. Yeah, like, like, you didn't play pre-season. summer league. Like, mm-hmm. what the heck was that like? It was crazy. And then throw on top of that. Because you didn't know when the draft was going to be. You were like, it's June. No, it's September. No, like, when no are we starting? No and, then you, and then you had a whole year with no fans. Yeah, yeah for the most part. Yeah, it, I mean, just think about, like, I'll put it in perspective of – we win the SEC, all right? So now we're like, okay, we're a two seed in the tournament. Yeah. So now let's just think about it. 
in the tournament, everybody, if you win, everybody's draft's not going Right, right. So now it's like COVID, boom, no tournament. All right, cool, boom. We don't know when the draft is, so I'm working out from – I started working out with – so we took a couple of weeks off because of COVID. You didn't want to go to any gym right, or whatever. Right. So started probably like April. I worked out. Six months. Yeah. April all the way up to the day before the draft. Get drafted. Get tested to go. Get ready to leave to go to Philadelphia. Have COVID. Has COVID. Misses the first week of training camp. Come in. Oh. I only practiced the last three days. Or two days. I only practiced the last two days. And like. So I'm, you know, Coach Burt. So oh, I'm yeah. behind on every defensive yeah. assignment. I don't know because when you know when the last two days of training camp, you're just playing at this yeah. point. Like you're not. There's even, no more teaching. There's yeah. no more teaching. Like it's it's a drill, drill, five right. on five for an hour, right. and then you're, you're you know you're going home. Right. So I'm getting thrown in in five on five. Luckily, I had a good day. Like, yeah. It was one of Your days. natural instinct. I just had a good day. I yeah. had a good day, and then um, and I started playing from there. So. It, it was it was really crazy. Like I, and then there was no fans. It was it was so much that it just I'm just blessed. I think. Before we lead into our last segment, just speak on like the speed of the game because normally guys have, you know, preseason and you know they have summer league and you know a little bit of time working out with guys and playing against other NBA players, uh, and pick up over the over the summer before they get ready for their rookie season. Just speak on the the change of pace, the terminology um, leading up from college to, I mean, you had to grow, for the, the change of pace from high school to college is big, but it's really big from college to the NBA, and you only had one year to learn in college. Yeah. So just speak on what that was like. I mean, it's different, like you said. I mean, the first, the first game of <laughs> my NBA career, I, was, I got in, the fourth quarter of preseason game. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, Coach Dodd and Coach Sam said, all right, you got the last 12 minutes. I think within the first two and a half minutes, I was exhausted. I, it was just everything was flying around, foaming oh at the mouth. Oh, my goodness. My mouth was getting dry. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. But it's, you know, I had to adjust quickly because, I mean, I don't, I mean, my expectations weren't extremely high because we were on the championship team, but I got thrown into the fire to where I was – in some rotation minutes early, and um, you know it, it just it just made me you know have an outlook on life and just show how blessed I was and I appreciate that uh, Coach Doc and the team and everybody really kind of embraced me and they really helped me and trusted me and I just try to give them all every single time. We've spoken remarkably little about this season and what you've been able to do now, and I'm curious about spending last year mostly on the bench, not knowing on any given night whether you'd even get into the game. Less than a year from getting drafted, you're starting every game. You're playing more minutes than almost every player in the NBA at this point, obviously due to some of the shorthandedness that you guys have had, but you're certainly not wondering whether or not you're gonna play. What are the biggest differences in your life now versus when you got in in the first quarter and and got crossed up by Ish Smith last year? Surprisingly, nothing. Like the approach to the game, it, it, it's, it's not different at all. Because um, I think, I'm gonna say this, it's a story that I haven't told most people. Like halfway through my rookie year, it, I went through a stretch. This is probably the worst stretch, but I went through a stretch of two weeks. I played only at the end of the game. Like I, like I was not in any shoot rounds and nothing. Like I, I knew for a fact, going into the game, I'm not playing. 
And then, you know, after these two weeks, Coach Doc calls me to his office and he asked me, like, why aren't you playing? And, you know, I mean, I'm like, well, I, you're the coach. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, what do you mean? I can't sell myself in. Is oh that what I was supposed to do? That's funny. So and I'm like, I said, Coach, I, I don't know. And then he broke it down to me. And um, I just really appreciated him for that because I, at the time I, I truly didn't know. And then he broke down what he needed me, what he needed from me. And he told me at that time, he said, you're going to win a playoff game for us this year. And I'm like, how am I going to win a playoff game? No, I'm I, not even playing. I don't play. Yeah. I don't like. I don't get in. And then from there on, after he told me what he needed from me, what the team needed from me, I just kind of like, I went out there and did it every single night. And it was like, you know, it, it was just amazing. And like I, I would tell everybody, I appreciate Coach Doc, Coach Sam, Coach Jagger, Coach Burke for you know, just that experience. Right. And uh, I think I will always <clears> be humbled for it. Yeah, it's almost like you have those moments in the NBA where, like, a coach where you could be at, like, the lowest of low, but the coach says, like, the littlest thing to you, and you're like, dang, like, that gave me the confidence that I needed to make it through. Like, my rookie year, I was in Indiana, and Dan Burke, our coach now, was my coach then. And I remember we were watching film, and there was no chance I was playing. Like, (laughs) if you look at my stats my rookie year, I never played. But he told me something. He was like, you know, you work hard, you have great spirit, and I think you're an NBA player. And I remember all the times that I, like, I was, you know, grinding to try to get back into the NBA. I just remember going back to him, and I'd text him every once in a while, even when he wasn't my coach, and being like, you know, when you said that, like, that really that really stuck with me. And, and that's funny because that story about Doc is going to stick with you forever. forever, and you're going to have a long, successful career, you know, and those are the moments that, you know, coaches don't even realize that stick with you forever. And that's what kind of makes the brotherhood and the game of basketball so special is that you can share moments like that. Um, that's that, in a lot of careers, though. Like, that is true. It's cheesy, but people, even in, in my line of work, talk about how, like, I've, I was told no so many times before I got this job. And the idea that, first of all, the more times you're willing to be told no, lots of other people are being told no and they're quitting. Mm. So if you're willing to work through the no's to like get to yeah. the yeses, that's how you end up successful. And it only takes one person right. to say yes, to believe in you, to want to give you a shot and it can change everything. And I think that that's like very universal. Survive the longest, survival of the fittest, who can withstand the most crap for the longest. Exactly. <laughs> I have one more question for you, Tyrese, about this season. Um, it's something that Doc has talked about a lot, but I don't know if you've talked about it as much. Um, I think there's not necessarily a concern, but an awareness of the fact that you have so many voices in your head. And it's like between my God, my, my God. No, but seriously, like I watch you in a timeout, right? There's the beginning phase of the timeout where you guys go to the bench and the coaches talk. And then there's like three people, your teammates usually talking to you then. And then Doc comes over with the coaches and then they're all talking to you. And then you're going out of the huddle and then it's George or it's Seth or it's someone and they're talking to you. And that's all in like a 90 second period of time. Right. How do you take all that information in, in a way that's productive and not overwhelming? Because I would be so mad. <laughs> I would not be able to handle it. And I really respect the fact that you do. And, and Tyrese has, you know, he doesn't have any anger management issues. He <laughs> takes deep breaths. He, I think he meditates before. No, but seriously, I mean, I, Oh, it's, it's no crazy. shade to you, I, but what would you do? Uh, I mean, I would lose my mind. I think I was telling someone in the media the other day, I was like, Tyrese does not get any grace. None. Zero. Like when we come to the bench, someone else could have messed up and someone is like, Tyrese. Like, and I, I always try to tell him and I'm not tooting my own horn because I've been, there's been games where I've been like, what are you doing? Like, da, 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 da. But I've always, I always try to tell you, 
and as like you know just play your game like you know how to play basketball you you know what you're doing like just play your game but on the other side of it i'm like man that is a lot to take in for a 21 year old kid for sure no i mean george may say that but he has kept me sane in a couple in in like early early in the year like because early in the year you know (sighs) we're going through change right now so it's it's a little different And, and and you know my role like you said it's been different this year so it's been changed for me and like i've always said i'm gonna work extremely hard to to figure it out but it was so many voices like it was it was every play and it back even back then i was still playing 30 minutes but it was literally every single play like i was i was second guessing myself it's the first time in my life that i've ever second guessed myself <laughs> so then it was like george came up to me after george and tobias they both came up to me after I think it may have been Oklahoma City game. And oh, I was halftime. Halftime of Oklahoma City game. And, like, George was talking to me, but, like. Oh, he was just, like, like looking straight. <laughs> and you know when you're, like, talking to someone and you're, like, trying to give them, like, advice? And I was, like, I think he needs to know, like, he just needs to be himself. But the way Tyrese was looking, like, <laughs> if he was a disrespectful, like, human being, he would have been, like, looked at me and been, like, can you just shut up? <laughs> Like it was like he had his brain had had enough of like people trying to help him that so so after I'm done saying it, he didn't say anything. I tell him I was like, "You got it." He was like, "Yep." <laughs> and I was like, in my head, I questioned myself. I'm like, should I should I be like shutting up right now? But like I feel like this kid like needs to hear this because like I don't want him going out there being like they just told me to do this and now they're telling me I'm not doing this right. It's like, I didn't want him to come to the bench and be like, it's always something. Cause that's the, wor- I've, I've been there before and that's the worst place to be as a player. And I, I hate to break it to everybody, but we, we need Tyrese to win. So I wanted him to feel like he was in the right mind for And me. wait, what did Tobias say? Where was and, he in all this? And then and after George, which George is always great. He's been doing this since, you know, I started even in, in before I get to Tobias and Joel, George came up to me in training camp and was giving me advice. I don't know George. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've, I've only known George for three days now. Right. So, like, and for him to come up to me, I could tell, like, okay, this dude, you know, he, you know, he, he cares. He really cares. And I really admired that because I care. And you could tell then that he wants to win. And I want to win as well. So, right then and there, it's when, I, when, I, when he came up to me, talked to me, I think that kind of built a, our friendship thing. Like I, I knew that he, you know, he cared and he he wanted the best for me and he wanted the best for the team. But back to Tobias and Joel actually came up to me and Joel told me. <laughs> Joel said, hey, "This is I, halftime in OKC." At the no, 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 this is after the game, OKC. Now nah, George was halftime. Yeah. This is after the game, OKC. Okay. Jo, uh, Joel comes up to me and says, um, "He said, Tyrese, I need you to go out there and be Tyrese." And I was like, how am I supposed to do that, Joel? He said, I just need you to go out there and be Tyrese. Don't, don't think about it. Everybody, everybody's going to scream and yell. Let it go in one ear and out the other ear. You know what you can do. You work out every single day. And this is Joel. And think about it. This is Joel and be talking to. He probably could have won MVP last year. So I'm like, that gives you the confidence in yourself. Like, okay, Joel believes in me. Cool. Right after Joel comes up to me and says that. Lily, we're on the on the plane where we're going. Tobias said the same thing. He said, Tyrese, I need you to go out there and be Tyrese. That's the only way it's gonna help us help us win. I'm like, so then I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll go out there and be Tyrese then. And then and uh the voices are still 30 there. Thirty points, thirty points, thirty points. <laughs> the voices are still there, but like 
and I appreciate everyone who tried to help me. And I, well, one thing Tobias told me, the last thing I'll say is, he said, you take what they say and you apply it the way you can. You don't go out there and do it like exactly what Jay right. said tell you to do because 100%. then you become a robot. You don't become, you stop being Tyrese. You go out there and you try to apply it to the way that you know what to do. You play basketball all your life. And you know, those, those three people, George, Tobias, and Joel, once, you know, after that game, I really realized, I was like, okay, I understand where they're coming from now. And the coaching staff's still on me, and I really appreciate them for that. But, uh, you know, my, my teammates, my brothers, they really helped me get through this, and, and now I just try to help them every single night as much as I can. Yeah, just, hey, just keep putting that ball in the basket, man. <laughs> help us win games. Should we move on to the last segment of, uh, of the podcast? It's called uh, Dear... Dear myself, so if you could write a letter to Tyrese Maxey um, probably five, ten years ago, and if you give yourself some advice, the young Tyrese, what would it be and about your journey, the struggles, you know, the, the good times? What advice would you give a, a young Tyrese? So five years ago, I'll say six years ago, six years ago, I got hurt my freshman year of high school. Mm. I, I broke my fibula and dislocated my ankle. And this has come after I was starting my freshman year of high school. We went from being unranked to, to top five in the state. So Ooh. we won our first nine games. So, so I would tell myself, um, stay with it. You know, it, it was times where you didn't know if you will ever be the same. You know, the rehab was tough. Um, once you finally started playing again, you didn't feel like you could move as fast, jump as high, um, and you questioned yourself a lot. But if you, as long as you just keep staying with it, as long as you keep, I'm gonna say it right now, just keep getting one percent better every single 100%. day. One hundred percent. As long as you, as long as you keep believing in yourself, keep believing in God, keep believing in, um, you know, your family, there, your support group, then uh, everything's gonna be okay. And as long as you keep being humble and being a person that you are, never change who you are. Um, always try to be kind, always come in every single day with a smile on your face and try to brighten everybody else's day. And then you go out there and you compete extremely hard and, and do what you love to do. And um, that's what I would tell myself. I like that. I like that. That was beautiful, that was, Tyrese. That was big I time. I appreciate that. Well, Tyrese, we had an awesome time. You know, chatting with you on the Big Niang theory. So thank you, for <laughs> thank you, thank you for stopping by. You're not supposed to laugh. This is my podcast. I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> but thank you for stopping by. We had a blast. No, seriously, especially now that you're so big time. Like a year ago, securing Tyrese for a podcast would not have been a problem, but now he's like playing like an all star. <laughs> I can't believe we booked him for this. Yeah, right. It would never be a problem for Miss Rosen and the minivan. <laughs> the vroom, sprinter van. Vroom, sorry. Vroom. <laughs> vroom, vroom. Thanks, Tyrese.